So this is called a fatal confession. Keith Larson investigated. Keith Larson. It just makes me think of the Onion true crime podcast called A Very Fatal Murder. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what this is. Bum, bum, bum. Hi, Julia Bezavali. Oh my goodness, you guys. If you're looking for more Jillian and me, join us on the Patreon, girl. It's exciting and fun over there. Yeah, it's all the, you know, like the vow, the jinx, making a murder, all those like long form episodes. Yeah, Um, we did the Gacy one. Remember, I was under the Gacy spell. I was was charmed. I know. And now we're in West Cork, Ireland with Sophie and those accents. It's such a, I gotta really slow it down when I watch. I can't understand. I think it was a local and I think it was a head case. There's a lot of that. It's true. They really say that. And it really was a local and probably a head case. I think I know who it was. I have news. <laughs> also join our Facebook group, you guys. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast Discussion Group. That's all I got. You got anything else this week? We kind of have a major announcement. Oh my God, oh my God. Tell them, I forgot. So if you actually want more of us, you're going to get it. Yeah. So remember when we did all of those Unsolved Mysteries, just like on the regular feed Thursdays. Happy yes. Thursday, surprise, it's yes. spooky season. Yes, yes, yes. We're doing it again, however. However, big, well, not a big caveat, just a, a different thing we're doing. So do you guys know it's like a Keith Morrison ep today? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why we're announcing it, because yeah. it's just like famous Keith Morrison datelines. We're yes. doing Mommy Doomsday. We're doing the thing about Pam. We're doing the Charleston affair. Yeah. What are you offering? <laughs> ah, it's crazy. So we're just doing 10 of like some very popular Keith Morrison datelines because we love Keith and he's ridiculous and amazing. And we're dropping those on Thursday. So you're going to get the regular Tuesday app and then you're going to, for 10 straight weeks, you're going to get a second free episode in the regular feed. Yeah, it's not on the pates. No, it's just like is, in your feed. Yeah, just for you guys, 10 Keith more than that. When does it start? It starts October 21st. Happy spooky season, everybody. Yeah, happy spooky and it goes right up to Christmas. So it's just like 10 weeks in a row, two episodes a week of True Crime Obsessed. Are you excited? There are a thousand classic <laughs> episodes. It's like in this classic dateline. I'm I like, yeah, too. I know. It's going to be great. Alright girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about a fatal confession, a very fatal murder. No, a fatal confession <laughs> Keith Morrison investigates. We have a super long coming up on. Yeah, this one is really long. I have two notes from the coming up on I sure. wanted to address. Okay. Are we still doing that thing where nobody believes that people give false confessions? People who are innocent give false, like they say a hundred times, why would you ever confess to a murder you didn't do? It's like, are we still there? Yeah, there's one guy who's like particularly a dick about it in this. <laughs> and he gets sassy with Keith, which is like, oh my so God. That's my other note. Some fucking DA gets attitude with Keith. You clearly don't do what I do for a living. And when we get there, this might be an extended episode because there's so much to say. A once convicted murderer who claims he was forced to confess to a crime he didn't commit will go before a jury again. Viegas was only 16 years old when he confessed to killing two teenagers in a 1993 drive-by shooting in Northeast El Paso. Time passes. Days once infuriating slow are rushing now. Judgment coming. Almost here. And now the question will finally be answered. Was he lying when he said he did? Or lying when he said he didn't? The confessed murderer was put away for life. Done. Finished. And then a total stranger came along. I'm like, my God, how did they convict this kid? What fate awaits Daniel Villegas? Daniel's been waiting more than 25 years for justice. Try not to keep him waiting any longer. I'm ready. I'm ready to go ahead and go in here and let's get this over. If the defendant will please stand. 
So we start in El Paso, Texas, right? And we yeah. learn that Keith has been following the story for a decade. Well, my first note is like, it's a real long-winded intro to this album. Keith is clearly emotionally invested. El Paso was different back then, scarier. Especially if you were a teenager like David Rongel, growing up on the wrong side of town. It was especially scary if you were a teenager, like this guy, David Rangel. And, you know, Keith is saying he grew up on the, quote, wrong side of town where there was lots of gang activity. And then David is here. And it's not David Diggs from Hamilton. It's not David. It's a, <laughs> and, and so he was like, uh, Keith is right. Like, yes. it was super dangerous. It yeah. was, like, really scary to live there. He says it, would, it was normal to, like, know friends that had been murdered. Think I about know, that. That's I bananas. Know. You know, we had friends that, unfortunately, did get killed. It was part of life for a long time. It's kind of a shocking thing to think about, though, if you're a teenager and you've got to imagine that some of your friends will be killed, maybe even you. It becomes normal. And so then we meet Mondo and Bobby, and these are murder victims, and it was a super high-profile case. It's all over in the news. And then Keith is like, Mondo and Bobby were good kids, not gangbangers. They were good kids, not gangbangers. We can't say that anymore, no, right? He says it again later. I said, literally, Keith, can we say gangbangers? I hope the answer is no. We don't say gangbangers. No. Well, bleep it then, I guess. Because right. <laughs> we just said it like six times. <laughs> so we learned that people were, yes, they were terrified to live there. But there was also this need to brag, to like seem tough, because this world was just so big where they were. And you like, know? kids are just like that. And like so that's why David is here, because he's on the phone with his cousin. And as we were talking, and I don't know how, I don't remember how it came up, but I remember my cousin talking about the, the two boys. What did he say about them? He said that he uh, shot both of them with a shotgun. I did that with my shotgun. I chased him down the street. I killed both of those guys. And David's like, sure, Jan. Like, David right. doesn't believe it, but he's like, my little cousin, my like 16-year-old yeah. cousin just wants to feel cool on the phone. What's the harm? Because my first question was like, David, why aren't you running to the cops? Your cousin just admitted to a murder. Why aren't you doing something about that? He's like, because I don't fucking believe the kid. Right, because that's like what he would do. Like, right. people would lie to be tough and get like street cred or whatever. And they say that. They say that about this guy. It was quite common in our family to know that that's just who he was talking up a big deal to make himself look tough. So we get the story of the murder. It's April 9th, 1993, just before midnight. Keith wants us to know it's Good Friday. Like, I I don't know what that has to do with anything. (laughs) Yeah, Good Friday is not a day I celebrate. I don't know what that is. Is that where you can't have meat? I don't know. Is Good Friday the one where they put the ashes on your forehead? That would be Ash Wednesday. Okay. (laughs) That one I know. (laughs) That's when I see people on the street. I'm like, oh, shit, it's Wednesday. Wait, is Good Friday the one that's before Easter and then it's Easter and then it's Ash Wednesday? It's all like the same week, I think. Sure. Catholics, let us know. I don't know. So... Bobby and Mondo are victims. They go to a party with this guy named Jesse Hernandez. Yes. And Jesse's here. Yeah. Jesse is here to tell his story. Poor Jesse is like me. (laughs) Jesse needs a hug and a half. I know. Jesse is a fucking wreck. Oh, my God. But he's talking about Mondo, one of the victims. He's like, I don't have a bigger brother, but he was close to that. He was always very protective of me. You know, back in high school, I was was puny. I was about 120 pounds. And he, he was pretty big, you know, not... Fat or chubby. Solid. Solid. Yeah. And it's like Jesse's not here five minutes and he's crying. I, and I, I and like, let it out, Jesse. Know, he's been through so much. Like, just totally. I, someone give him a hug and just let him cry it out. I hope he has, like, a beautiful wife or, like, a gorgeous husband and somebody who, like, really takes great care of him. Yeah, I want him to, like, kick his feet up at the end of the day. Totally. I want him to a watch his favorite really show. Like, if he wants a lazy boy, I want yeah, to have yeah, the yeah, best totally. lazy boy. The beer is always cold for him. Like, he always has, like, oh, that special meal for, like, celebrations. <laughs> yeah. He gets it every night. 
And it never gets bored with it either. And I love how, like, we're saying this about Jesse. We're going to meet someone who deserves all that and more also. There are a lot of <laughs> yes. people who are, like, oh very God. deserving. And then there are also fucking garbage yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Bobby, Mondo, Jesse, and now Juan, which is another friend of theirs. Who we never meet. But these are the four kids that, are, that go to this party that night. Right. So they don't have a ride home, and they have to walk through this, as Keith says. Through a neighborhood best avoided. Yeah, well said, Keith. Thanks, now, Keith. Now stop saying gangbanger. Like, okay, Keith? You talked your way around saying bad neighborhood. Now stop saying gangbanger. Like, Keith, it's called fatal confession. Something bad happens. Right. <laughs> it's a very fatal murder. A very fatal When they were in the office room at The Onion where they came up with that title, to, like, did they all fall out of their seats? Yes. yes. A very fatal murder. I mean, that's, per- it's, that's it's perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So it's super dark, and a car pulls up with dark tinted windows. Yeah. And this is terrifying. So the car is, like, creeping slowly oh, behind God. these kids yeah. as they're trying to walk home. Stops in the middle of the street like there's no stop sign like he's just stopped and then the car Jesse's terrified j- terrified terrified I would be too yeah you know how I feel about like creepy cars at night like, I know they really scare me <laughs> I know. city kid through and through. I have like bad like a bad experience with the, it's on the after party yeah, it's called Shades of Death Road what I was doing on Shades of Death Road thinking I'd make it out alive I don't know but you know it's all sometimes there. Daisy goes Shades of Death yes Shades she chants for Shades of Death I love her I know I just love her you guys are very similar <laughs> sometimes just she'll like randomly want to hold my hand like I as know. we're just like walking, it's very sweet. <laughs> she likes me, right? Okay. Yeah, she do. <laughs> um, so then, but then, so it's like creeping, and it stops, and then it drives away really fast, yeah. and then they're all relieved, and they're like, "Let's just get the hell Especially out of here." Especially Jesse. Especially Jesse. But then it's back yeah. uh, suddenly, and like it's just terror. It's so scary. And then the person in the car starts shooting at them. Before you know it, I just started hearing gunshots, and it was just just tot tot tot. After that first shot, I just I booked it. You know, I didn't think of nobody but myself. I ran. I ran so fast, you know, I I didn't even get tired. And Jesse fucking runs at the top of his lungs. (laughs) He's like, I ran so fast. I didn't even get tired. He was just like, he bailed. And he assumed everyone ran too. But he like turns around and the only one there is his friend Juan, who's like, who we don't meet in this episode. Mm -hmm. Like they wait for Mondo and Bobby and Mondo and Bobby don't appear. So they go back to find them and like Mondo and Bobby are dead. Right. Like they get the courage to go back to the scene where the car was terrorizing them and the cops are already there. And poor Jesse is like, this is like, am I living a nightmare? Is this a nightmare? I'm going to wake up soon. I'm going to wake up right now. And the more and more I tried, you know, I didn't wake up. I was still there. It's fucking awful. Now, the one good thing about this is that, like, Mondo and Bobby are, like, kids of color. But, like, the town super cares about this crime. Yeah. And they really want to find justice for these kids. They don't want them to just become d- statistics. And also, so Keith has, the, like, these, re- you know, the Keith narration. Right. Give me something. Give me anything. It's like, Mondo Lazo and Bobby England were expected to become two more data points in the soaring statistics of early 1990s crime here in El Paso. Except there was one particular detective who was determined to solve this case. Mondo and Bobby were expected to become two more data points in the soaring statistics. I'm like, Keith, but it's amazing because we see him do it. Because it's yeah, not yeah, Dateline, yeah. it's, it's like true. a special. Yes. So we see him do it. He's like in the middle, he's like at night, like leaning up against a brick wall. I saw him at CrimeCon once. Like he was like walking down a hallway, getting uh, to like a panel room. It was the Beatles. It yeah, was 700 yeah. people. I did not know who it's he was. a hard was. day's night. He yeah. lives in a hard day's night. A million person. Especially at a fucking CrimeCon. Right, he's like, Paul McCartney in 1964. Women just throwing their underpants at him, walking down the hallway. He's nine. 900 years. He's older than God for real. Yep. He was there when God was born. He is a phenomenon. Yeah. And he's like, ladies, I know. please. I am married to Matthew Perry's mother. <laughs> Have some self-respect. Also, don't end up on Dateline. Don't throw right. your underwear. <laughs> so everyone cares about this case, right? 
except yeah. Alfonso Marquez. So he's like this, he's known to be this tough detective, right? Mm-hmm. They say as as though it's a good thing. He had a reputation as a tough, successful investigator, known for getting killers to confess. He was even featured on an episode of the TV show Cops. Right. You understand what happened? He's known for getting killers to confess. No, you're no. saying that wrong. No. He's known for getting kids to confess to things they didn't do. Whenever anybody says like, wow, this guy's really amazing at getting people to confess, he's like the criminal whisperer. Like, no. 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 And and then they're like, he was even featured on Cops. And I'm like, don't brag about <laughs> it. Cops is trash. I know, I it's know. literally canceled. If there's any cop listening to this and you work in a precinct, we're like, wow, like Jim over there is really known for getting people to confess. I want you to go through every single one of those convictions. Every last one of them. Yeah, that's not, that's that's not, not it. No, yeah, you, that's it's not, not what you think it is. No. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> not in fact it's the opposite in fact it's real bad yeah it's real bad so he's on the case fucking great right so 10 days after the murder he just like suddenly crosses paths with 17 year old david from earlier whose cousin called him and was like hey i killed those kids and he was like sure jan no you didn't yeah yeah. and alfonso's like i know you killed those two kids like pounding on the table and david's like i thought this was about i don't know like running the red light or like the weed or like something stupid that's like negligible and david's like a fucking double what like no yeah, and so, but like Marquez, because he's known for getting confessions, we're now learning about his tactics. He's just fucking terrifying. Caught in the fear of the moment, David told Detective Marquez that Daniel Villegas said he did it, blasted the two boys with a shotgun, chased one of them down the block to finish him off. But he was pretty sure he told the detective Daniel was probably just making it up, a jokester pretending to be tough. So the cousin is Daniel Viegas. Yes. So by April 21st, 1993, the bad cop shows up to Daniel's house. Yeah. And Yolanda, his mother, is like, shut up. You should keep your mouth shut. I'm going to call a lawyer. But that didn't happen. Do you want to know why, fucking Texas? Texas law lets cops speak to minors without a lawyer or guardian, which is such trash. Like, that shouldn't be a thing. The thing is, like, that happened to Adnan, too, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think this is that uncommon, you know? But it's, like, on the books that they can do it. Like, in other states, they, like... The cops manipulate the kids to allow them to do it. But this is like, oh, you like super don't need a guardian. Yeah, because it's the thing about like, just can we just tell our kids to say you want a lawyer at any time at any, like, we just need to be training our kids to ask for a lawyer. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they bring him down to the station. They question him all night long. By the time his mother and father come to pick him up, Daniel has given a full signed confession to the cops. He's charged with murder. He's 16 years old. And it's like, we see this confession, and Keith is telling us a signed confession. It was all carefully typed, as if Daniel had dictated the story himself. So here's what Daniel, quote, says. Right. Daniel didn't say this, by the way. We'll get into that fucking later. Right. You saw the air quotes, right? Right. (laughs) You're not behind the wheel, and you just know the tone of my voice at this point. So Daniel's like, all right, me and four friends, two of them are named Popeye and Droopy. And I'm like, well, this is bullshit. Obviously, no one is actually named that. Not even in a nickname. Like, hey, Droopy. Like, what? (laughs) That's just like the thing that my friends probably call me behind my back. No, (laughs) not on my watch. So Daniel's like, yeah, we were driving around in Popeye's white mid-sized car. We saw Mondo with the three other boys, drove by, yelled at them, went by again. And Daniel opened fire, killed Mondo, and then chased Bobby, the other victim, to, quote, finish him off. So he, quote, gives this confession. And Keith wants us to know. A few hours later, turned over to a social worker, Daniel said it was all a lie. He recanted. 
He's like, I was forced to say that. It's not true. It's not what happened. But none of that matters. And it's the same old story. You yeah. know, Daniel was terrified. His confession is actually the cop story. Right. It made him all these empty promises. Totally. But because Daniel had this signed confession, Daniel's fucked. Right. And this is the thing. Like, this signed confession is going to haunt Daniel for the rest of his life. Right. Because two weeks after the shooting, this, quote, confession is handed over to the brand new DA who I hate with the fire of a thousand suns. And so does Keith. <laughs> Keith hates this guy. Hates if Keith this could guy. punch this guy, he absolutely would. I love when you could tell when Keith loves someone and yeah. hates someone and yeah. he so loves so many people here yes. and he fucking hates this guy. So is it like a, the most epic snort I've ever done. It's Keith worthy. <laughs> We're all at 100 today, everybody. Welcome. So this DA, this piece of shit, his name is Jaime Esperanza. He's yeah. the district attorney. And he's here to crack down on crime, to which I say, oh, great. Aren't this they never all? goes well. It's the fucking 90s. It's like the height of the war on drugs. But cracking down on crime, like, we all know it's never actually that. No. It doesn't work. It's yeah. right. Like, stop it. As the DA, he decides he himself is going to prosecute this case. He wants to make a point, basically. He wants to make a point. Wants to make a name for himself. He promises the parents he's going to get fucking justice. And so, like, he's the DA using the full force and, like, budget of the law. We cut to Daniel's parents. Daniel's parents scraped together every penny they had to hire an attorney. We actually had to borrow some money and it was expensive, you know, and all we could afford at the time was $10,000 and that was it. Like, how can we say we live that we live in a country where we have a just I, I, a just system? I, it was like we only had ten thousand. You only had 10, like thousand. It should not take that amount of money to get a decent defense in this country. No. It is no. it, the system is broken. It yeah. is broken. So the defense is all about like the conflicting stories. So yeah. Daniel's defense team calls eighteen witnesses, several alibis, but it's like that. No, that confession. You know, and that ten grand is put to good use. And like the eighteen witnesses, like they're there to say he couldn't have done it. You know, right. that like his alibi was real and strong and it's just like I don't understand because we hear the second chair to this DA the DA at this point won't give an interview but Keith gets the second chair the one who was working yeah. with him his name is John his name is John and and he says to Keith the confession really was the the centerpiece of the case there were you know some details in the confession that we felt supported the the conviction and kind of made us look the other way regarding the facts that didn't quite match up I'm going to read that again. Yes. There were details in the confession that made us look the other way regarding the facts that didn't quite line up. I don't understand how one, you could do that and sleep at night. Yeah. And then all these years later, say it to Keith Morrison's face. Right. With a straight fucking face. And like, because it's going to go out to millions of people because it's Keith and everyone. Like, it's like, that's, you're recorded. Yeah. The mic's picking all that up. And now the world knows that you actively look the other way and for a 16-year-old kid. Honestly, like, we know this confession was coerced. So I'm not, it's not a spoiler to say when we actually break down this confession later, so much of it is just wrong. Bullshit. The DA in his second chair had to know that. So he's lying to our faces. Right. Because the DA wants to make a point because he's cracking down on crime. Yeah. Like, uh, can you just like get the real murder? Like it's right. ridiculous. <laughs> Wait, so oh, you would think that would be so simple. I, I can I, we just try to get the real murder? And I don't understand like <laughs> how someone we're already there. <laughs> how someone sees a confession like that and then eighteen alibi witnesses and they're like, yeah, but the piece of paper says, yeah, like use your fucking head. Exactly. So there's a mistrial. Good news. Yeah, I mean, so like they go to trial and eleven jurors think that he is guilty and there's one holdout who they can't. There's flip. one me. There's yeah, one there's me one who's Jillian, like refusing Jillian to cave. <laughs> What a fucking mistrial. So Daniel is sent home to await this trash DA's decision. Like, is he going to drop the charges or try him again? And enter real quick. We're going to take a hard left. Yeah. We're going to meet Lucy. And that's when fate or something gave history a little nudge. She showed up. Her name was Lucy. She was dating Daniel's brother. 
And you're kind of like, what is this woman's deal? She seems awesome. Don't fuck me on this, Lucy. Don't fuck me on this. Because Keith's like, Lucy, well, you'll see. Whole worlds can turn on mere coincidence. Well, you'll see. <laughs> Whole worlds can turn on mere coincidence. And I'm like, what are, why are we talking about coincidences? I know. Keith? Like, wh- know. where the hell is this going? So just hold it. They sprinkle in Lucy. Totally. A little bit. As you were saying, like, you can tell he hates the DA. You can tell he really likes Lucy. He loves yeah. Lucy. Yeah. I love Lucy. Oh. <laughs> so this DA Esparza guy is, of course, going to try Daniel again. He's got to make a point. Yeah. So, and because, like, he failed. Yeah. So now he's, like, really out for this kid, right? Daniel's family, of course, Horse can't afford a lawyer. They're still paying off the first one. They're paying the first lo- Like, this is un... How is this possible? So Daniel has to get a public defender. Yeah. Not all public defenders are trash. We fucking need that. But this guy was. Yeah, and it's like... But all public defenders are overworked and, and can't fairly represent their clients. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So remember how the first lawyer called, like, 18 witnesses? Yes. This guy calls one. So cut to August 24th, 1995. Daniel is convicted of capital murder. And cousin David cannot handle it. I just have... Keith has some questions for David. You remember that day in the courtroom? I do. The thing that they do when they say guilty and they snap the cuffs on and march him out the door. That's where the weight started getting on my shoulders. And the guilt. Guilt, pain, hurt. And maybe it was because of you. Mm Mm-hmm, partly. I knew I wasn't the entire reason, but I knew that I was a big part of it. But Keith also, and he does this a lot in this one, he plays the role of, like, some dummy who does it. Like, he asks these questions where it's like, well, why'd you say it? And yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. to, like, educate the people who don't know about false confessions. Totally. Basically. But I'm like, I hope that, like, Keith explains to them before the interview starts, okay, I'm going to ask you some dickish questions. And it's not, like, me <laughs> no. asking. You know I'm what I mean? kind of a fucking asshole for a minute. Yeah, I've done, like, 6,000 episodes of Dateline. Totally. Like, I, 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 I didn't I, always have gray hair. Right. I saw this coming from a mile away. I know you didn't do it. I know it's not your fault. But, like, for the big reveal for yeah. when I, like, yell yeah. at someone later, like, we got to do this now. And I gotta say, like, like we'll get there in a minute, but, like, Daylight really cares about these cases, and they follow up on them over and over and over again. That's how we get these specials. So that's what happens, right? Like, years go by, yeah. and the story fades from the headlines, appeals You almost filed. said it like Keith. Did fades I? from the headlines. Faded from the <laughs> like, well, here's another Keith moment. Because, like, appeals were filed, they were all denied, and he's like... His conviction was final. His incarceration, permanent. Conviction? final incarceration <laughs> permanent keith i know it's bad enough i know but can you imagine you're like an innocent person and you exhaust every appeal and you're like well this is my life now until yeah. 2011 comes and keith morrison comes to visit you in prison yeah. you know you like something's happening so okay we're gonna get more to Dan- of daniel in a second but lucy is still back so lucy remember we met her early on we don't know why she's here but she was dating daniel's brother she and daniel's brother ended up having three kids but she eventually like moves on becomes a single mom 2005 she's working as a bank teller in a local bank and a man comes in. His name is John and he thinks she's really pretty and it he works up the nerve eventually to ask her out on a date. And they get married. Yeah, like, and they get married. They get married. And just put a fucking pin in that. We're coming back to this. Right, well, we're going to keep going now. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. No, don't take the pin out. We're no, going to no, 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 no. full steam ahead. So Lucy still stayed really close with Daniel's family. Like, she has kids with his brother. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, they're all really in touch. So the family got to know her new husband, John. And so the night John meets Daniel's family... Yeah. They're hysterical. They're beside themselves because, like, yet another Innocence Project rejected them because there's no DNA. It's, like, too hard of a case. And John, he's, like, like your average guy. He's very successful. He's got a lot of money. He's very wealthy. But he really loves Lucy. He likes Daniel's family. And he's like, look. I had a lot of trust in our system. I thought, you know what, if uh, he's locked up, it's because he did it. 
if he's in prison, he probably deserves to be there. But like, I really like this family and they're all sobbing. So like, maybe I can help. And I wrote, this family immediately Susan Simpson's this guy. Yes. They give him the box of material and they're like, go through it. Figure it out. Because the guy's a contractor, so he's really smart. He has no knowledge of the law, but he's really smart. And he, like, when people are hysterical and they're heartbroken, you just want to help. Totally. So he kind of blurts out, like, let me look into it. I'll see what I can do. And they're like, great. That'd be like me saying that. Let me solve your murder. 1,000%. And they're like, really awesome. And they think, they're like, this is what they need, right? So he's like, I don't even know what that means, but I had to do something. They They were beside themselves. You know what? I just realized, like, I would actually be better at that than John. I'd be really good at it. Only because, well, A, because I know you. And I fucking know Rabia. And I'm like, yeah. I could make a number of actually high level calls. I get Billy Jensen on this. He'd solve it on Facebook in five minutes. Oh my God. We get Lori. You guys, do you need murder solved? Email me. I wonder if we could get Lord of the Rings money. Oh my God. Oh my God. We could get something. We could get Donnie Wahlberg money. He followed me. I know. He followed me too. Did he follow you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Donnie Wahlberg followed both of us. And Donnie DM'd me the other morning. Donnie, Donnie followed me. And then I DM'd him. And then he DM'd me back. And it wasn't like, hi. It was, it was like, a long it thing. It was long. He uses a lot of emoji Donnie I know please I know don't get canceled no Donnie and Donnie he ended his DM with hoping to connect soon and I was like he means sex right Christmas morning yeah we're gonna have let's connect sex on Christmas morning. Donnie that's not weird <laughs> we're cutting all that out no we have to no keep all, no <laughs> oh, Matt, keep all of it keep all of it we're cutting all it's like of what <laughs> this is just us talking now no, right keep it keep it keep it so Keith is like, look, what you guys don't know about John is that he's relentless. He's a super hard worker. So yeah. his philosophy, his whole philosophy in life is, you know, I just want to help people. I have a good work ethic. And he's like, maybe I can use my like stick to in this case. Why I not? love that word, by the way. Oh, my God. Stick to Yeah. So good. But John is me in this moment because he's got this like box full of case files. He gets home that night and he like stays up until 2 a.m. reading everything. I read it over and over and Probably about two, three months into it, I'm like, my God, how did they convict this kid without any physical evidence whatsoever? You were hooked. I was hooked. And Keith goes, you were hooked. And John goes, Keith, I was hooked. Yeah. I was hooked. John, by the way, seems like the gentlest, yeah. sweetest man. But like, I'm amped now. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. John, let's fucking go. Let's and do he's this. he's got money. He's got fucking John money. Like, he's got John construction money. He can find it. He's like the Peter Jackson of this whole story. 1,000%. Yeah. Peter Jackson helped solve the West Over 3 if you're confused yes. about what we're talking right. about. Yeah, Lord of the Rings money. Yeah. So John, John realizes 2 a.m. one night, he's like, oh my God, this kid didn't do it. Yeah. So John goes to meet Daniel in prison. And Daniel tells him the same story he told Keith, right? Yeah. Daniel tells us that this guy Marquez, the detective. They put me in a little office, they handcuffed me to a chair, and the other detective leaves. It's just me and Detective Marquez, and he sits across from me from uh, with a typewriter. As the detective glared at him and twisted a large metal ring around his finger. He slapped me in the back of the head, and he said, look, I know you did this, you little punk turned his ring around and just started smacking Daniel in the back of the head. And screaming like, you're lying to me, I know it, I'm gonna kick your ass. Right. He's terrifying the 16-year-old kid, yeah. right? So then he's like, oh, but if you make a statement, you're a kid, it won't be so bad, but if you don't confess, you'll get the electric chair and I'm the one who's gonna flip the switch. Yeah. So like, you can understand why a terrified 16-year-old would say anything they can to get the fuck out of that room and away from that guy, totally. right? And that's exactly what Daniel said. He's like, so I, I, I made the statement, I did whatever he wanted me to do. He describes Marquez sitting down the typewriter being like line by line he's telling me everything that's happening and he's only stopped to look at me for me to say yes and that's how he wrote the whole statement 
And then you came upon these four boys, right? Yes, sir. He, it's Marquez's story. And he's right. just getting Daniel to say yes to right. it. And so John's like, oh, the system's broken. Yes. Like, I believed in it for yeah. all these years. This is the first time they meet, right? Yes, yeah. John is an angel. He's like, he said, man, I'm going to go gun ho with this, man. I'm going to go with this. I'm going to be here with you through it all, man. We told my mom and them, you know, I've been praying about this. And no matter how much this costs, no matter what we have to go through, from here to the end, man, I'm going to be here with him. I will be with you through it all. Like, just trust me. Yeah. I'm going to work really hard. Like, I'm going to get you out of He's here. He's like, I've got John construction money. I'm on this. And I'm a hard worker. Okay. <laughs> but, like, but that's amazing. The first time they meet. It's amazing. And it's also, like, pre-internet days, it seems, because the first thing John does is turn to the Yellow Pages. I know. It's 2011, <laughs> yeah, however. It's not that pre-internet. But he's like, he turns to the Yellow Pages to, to hire a private investigator. And the PI, who I'm sure loves his job, yes. is like, look, every good investigation starts with a witness. And remember, there was one witness. Remember poor Jesse, who we hope has a beautiful wife or a gorgeous husband. He ran, he survived the shooting and came back to the scene to see his two friends dead. Like, Jesse has been through it. And he's here and he's a mess. And, you know, we're told, like, like anybody would. Jesse has spent all of these years just trying to forget. But John shows up to Jesse's house with the PI and is like, we want to talk to you about that murder. And John's like, you know what? He was shaking, but he invited us in. Jesse is a very delicate person. He's very delicate. very and he's like, well, look, like they ask him, do you think Daniel's guilty? And Jesse doesn't know Daniel from the yeah, next guy, right? Course. So Jesse's like, well, yeah, he's convicted. He's in prison. Like he killed my friends and that, like traumatized me for life. And John's like, Jesse, no, listen to this. John is dropping bombs left and right. He's like, listen. And the fact that Jesse is even entertaining this conversation is fucking amazing. I know. He just finished whatever that heaven buffet dinner was that you wanted uh, to have every night. Yeah. Would, that, would you just call it heaven? <laughs> oh, right. The heaven buffet. The endless heaven buffet, which yeah. is what Steve is convinced happens when we all die. And like no dishes. No dishes, like, no weight gain. You're never full. You just keep eating forever. Oh, God. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Know. You know what I need to do? Start eating before recordings. Are you starving? Starving. I know. Every time. I know. Every time. But John says, he's like, Jesse, girl, listen, just so you know, this kid is innocent. And here's the, some evidence I can share with you. They never found the car that was the car. They never found the murder weapon. There were no fingerprints. Nobody ever ID'd Daniel or anybody else in the car and all they all they had was this confession that Daniel gave which we now know was just like false and coerced so they go over the confession together and Jesse was like wait a second and I started reading it and reading it and I was like hold on that's not how it happened not how it happened that's not how it happened the way his confession was worded was wrong yeah exactly I was there and this is not what happened so this is the thing that we were talking about from before like when Mm -hmm. that lawyer said Daniel's confession had too many details that were right and that allowed us to overlook the facts that didn't line up no the details in Daniel's confession are not correct they're like the opposite so and like, these lawyers had to have known that they had to have fucking known they that. had to have known but that but Jesse also has a fucking traumatic story to tell because Jesse's like who's the clown investigating this and yeah. John's like oh Alfonso Marquez and Jesse's like hold the fucking phone everyone pull over because pull the, over. he's like that garbage cop accused me of murdering my friends yep. you guys Jesse tells a story exactly Exactly like Daniels. The threats, the beating, everything. And he says, you know what? You know it and I know it. This is I said, what do you mean? You know and I know that you did it. And I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah. So let's let's keep playing the games. And I'm like, how could you say I did it? You know, I didn't I didn't do anything. Yes, you did. He said, why would I do that? He says, 
Farlon or you probably wanted his girlfriend. And Jesse says, like, the only thing that saved me is that my mom showed up and my mom was like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's on the verge of confessing yeah. and the mother, thank God, yeah. like, the door flies open. Totally. <laughs> she puts an end to the entire thing. She's like, I want to sue everybody. And yeah. Jesse's like, that was the last time I saw Detective Marquez. Because then he gives up on Jesse. He's like, oh, that that hysterical woman mother of his. Right, what right, a dummy exactly. with those weak arms. So right. then John's like, we have to have enough to go to court, right? But like, this is the thing, John, sweetheart. This is not how the system works. No. Because the whole thing was like, he'd been to court, he'd been charged, he'd been tried, he'd been convicted, and all of his appeals are exhausted. Like, there does come a point where you've just lost it now, you're in jail for forever. Right. But cut to December 2009. Yeah. There was, John learned, only one way. The long shot of long shots, and very rarely successful. Still, in December 2009, John's lawyer submitted a writ of habeas corpus, a claim that an individual's constitutional right against unlawful imprisonment is being violated. It's the last chance yeah. that, that like Daniel can, has. Even if all of your appeals have been exhausted, you can still try this one. So Esparza, the DA, wants this whole thing thrown out. But it goes to Judge Sam Madrano. You guys, this guy's a fucking hero if ever there was one. And he's a, he's he's like, I have a tough reputation too. <laughs> yeah. All right? Like this. Uh... Yeah, but Judge Madrano's like, this is, I, I'm not going to be easy. And everyone is assuming like Judge Madrano's going to see this and like go through the files. Mm-hmm. Be like, no, like he's going to uphold the conviction. That's what always happens. And, and Keith's like, this. This never happens, but he agreed to sit down with me. This is crazy. Like I he, know, he's I like, know, this is I a know. tough guy. And so the judge is like, there was a strong urging that we have uh, live testimony, uh, which uh, I was convinced about because I didn't know anything about the case. And as instead, much for you as anything else, right? We're going to do it in open court. I yeah. want witnesses. Everyone's presenting their case. Yeah. What better way for me to learn about this case? I'm not going to, how can I make a decision? I don't know anything about it. Is it like amazing and unusual? And also like, this is such like, uh, this is a major argument for having new judges handle yes, these new yes, appeals. Yes. This is why maybe it's a good thing that the, a person who's denied everything for 15 years yep. can't just be like, nope. Yeah. Like, let's get some fresh eyes on the thing. Totally. God. So this is where John realizes like, thank you lawyer for who's got me this far, but now I need a fucking trial lawyer. So he gets this guy named Joe Spencer and Joe Spencer is here and so Spencer is telling us about when John came in to meet with him and he's like hang on hey, hey everyone sit down yeah okay how long ago was he convicted he goes 16 years ago I go he had two trials he goes yeah because he, he confessed he goes yes double homicide yes he's already exhausted his appeals he goes yes I go I don't know that I can help you he goes no you don't understand he goes he's innocent Joe, he's innocent. And I'm like, John, you really are like a naive, sweet tropical fish. But with like patience and like determination. And so Joe finally reads the file and he's like, oh shit, he is innocent. He is innocent. Oh my God. (laughs) So Daniel is now transferred to a prison closer to the courthouse and his family, which is very nice. And so the hearing starts, but John is still doing like the work on the ground. He's rallying people. He has billboards. He has signs. He has vans with like info on the side that he's just driving around driving around town. John is a man on a mission. He's amazing. But all of this coverage gets Daniel a girlfriend. So we meet Amanda. <laughs> She's so great. Nobody loves Amanda more than Keith. Maybe me. I love her too. I'm like beaming just thinking about her. So she's Daniel's sister's friend. And she yeah. sees the family. I don't think that she's as close with Daniel's sister as maybe she wants us to think no, she was. No, because she's like. And I said, what were you doing on the news? And uh, that's when she told me about her brother that was locked up for a crime he didn't commit. I said, well, what do you need as support? And she said, just write him a letter of support telling him, you know, that you're there. We're, we're out here supporting him. 
girl, I just saw you on TV. What are you talking about? And she's like, oh, my brother was falsely yeah, convicted. Yeah, remember my brother you met that one time 15 <laughs> years ago? He's been in prison ever since. Like, what? <laughs> but Amanda's like, oh, well, that won't stand. Like, no, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. So she starts writing letters to Daniel. And, like, the letters lead to phone calls, which lead to visits. I mean, it's so crazy. Because she says, like, when she went to meet him in person, she's like, I just knew that we were meant to be together. I know. And, like, because so she knows he didn't do it, obviously, yeah, which totally. is very helpful. So it's April 25th, 2011. And we're having this hearing about the writ of habeas corpus, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like the cops, the experts on false confessions, alibi witnesses, Jesse Hernandez. Yeah. I mean, he's the perfect person to get up there, right? Like, right. how do you ignore Jesse? He was fucking there. Yeah, and so that Marquez, the fucking detective that Ugh. took the confession, he gets up and testifies. His testimony goes over two days, and it is just like, first of all, he denies everything Daniel said. We never threatened the raping. We never threatened the beating up. This is just his story. He told it to me. I wrote it down. Bada big, bada boom. We threw him in jail. Either he doesn't remember or, you know, I don't know what I'm looking at. Don't remember, sir. I don't recall. Did you verify that? I don't remember, sir. So now we get that this is, whoever edited this is a goddamn genius. So Trash Cop is on the stand. Yeah. Lawyer Joe is talking to him. And so Alfonso's like, You're throwing it at me. I don't know what to to look at. I'm sorry, Tiffany. I didn't want to mean to intimidate you. Okay. I'm not intimidated by you at all. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to intimidate you. (laughs) And Alfonso goes, I'm not intimidated by you at all. We cut to Joe, the lawyer, today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, We were taught in law school that we cannot get too personal with these cases. We have to be professionals. Cut back to the court. What'd you say? You don't intimidate me at all. Oh, okay. I never thought I did. I've been invested in this case, I think, emotionally, maybe more than than I should have. It got a little confrontational where I think the judge told me we had had to back off. I said you don't intimidate me at all. And Joe's like, oh, I never thought I did, Alfonso. And then come back to Joe today. And he's like, I made it personal. It was a thing. The judge had to get involved. I like everything I learned in law school went out the window. And you see him, like you see him in the courtroom. His face is turning red. He's yelling. At one point, he's like, coincidence? I think not. Like he's just loving every second of this. But the the edits to be like, they tell you not to make it personal. I made it personal. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And also, wouldn't you? This guy sucks. I would not be a good lawyer if you're not allowed to make it personal. You see Nancy Grace, every video of her, like when she was a a prosecutor or whatever, she's crying, she's slamming things on tables. Nancy Grace shouldn't be your example. No. That amazing attorney, Nancy Grace. Oh, my God. So now the name Flores has been introduced in this hearing. I mean, you guys, the whole thing about what happens now is that we learn, Mm -hmm. there was another suspect that was investigated, but as soon as they got Daniel to make that confession, they kind of just threw this guy away, even though he probably fucking did it. So we hear about Rudy and Javier Flores. Excuse me, can you say Javier's full name? Javier Javier Flores? Javier Dirt Flores. I know. (laughs) Droopy and Dirt, the dynamic duo. Javier Dirt. Dirt Flores. So, like, there have been rumors for years that they're the real killers, yeah. right? And it turns out, like, they're actually in the paperwork. Like, this yeah. name has really been documented, right? Yeah. So there are all these statements that Rudy Flores had threatened our two victims, Mondo and Bobby. Yeah. And then we get another guy on the stand. He's a former gang member, this guy, Jamarcus Graves. I love him. He's like... Who was responsible for killing these two boys? Javier Dirt Flores. Javier Dirt Flores was the actual shooter? Yes, sir. Was Rudy Flores with Javier Flores? Yeah. Yes. During the shooting? Yes. Yeah, 
yeah, he showed me the murder weapon, which was a 22, which it actually was, not a shotgun that's in this bullshit confession that exactly. Daniel said, right? So then Rudy spoke to the cop. Rudy Flores yeah. spoke to the cops and gave a statement putting himself at the scene. Yeah. And the cops cleared him officially. Like, what? Because it was like they ju- they just got Daniel to confess. They don't need it anymore. It is so rarely, it feels to me, at least in these documentaries, about getting the actual killer. It's just about clearing the case. Absolutely. So Javier Flores was killed in a car accident, like years before this Bye. hearing. But Rudy was in prison on a drug charge, right? Yeah. So the judge is like, get your ass to this hearing now. You guys, first of all, the judge has had it. Jillian's had it. We've I've had, had it. it. And it's only going to get worse. So Joe the lawyer is like, I'm questioning the shit out of this kid. Rudy takes the fifth. You guys, like the judge is like, no, bitch, you're going to answer these motherfucking the questions. The judge doesn't accept the fifth, which <laughs> I'm like, is that allowed? I didn't know, I know. you could do that. I know. And Rudy's like, I'm in prison anyway. Hold me in contempt, bitch. Like, what Like what difference does it make? I'm in prison. It's just so fucking... And the judge... You can see the judge is also turning red. The judge is on our side. Right. So Rudy doesn't say anything, but, like, it's all in the paperwork anyway. Right. But then... Oh, my God. Daniel takes the stand and tells his story. Ten full days of yeah. testimony in front of everyone. But these ten days are spread out over six months. Judge Sam, what are it's you doing? So weird. You're killing me, I Sam. I don't understand how the system works. I don't get it. I know it's broken. I know. <laughs> So by November 10th, 2011, both sides rest, right? And what we're trying to figure out here, is Daniel going to get a new trial? Like that that's what's being determined by all of this testimony. And it's either he gets a new trial or he goes back to prison forever. Forever, that's it. Like he, that's it. He's in prison forever. And Judge Sam takes a sweet ass time. You know, he deliberates on this over nine months and it seems like, I look, I understand being a judge has got to be like your days are full. I yes, get it. Yes, yes, yes. And you got a lot going on. But like, you get a weekend to like sit down. Like, you know what you do, judge? You you you, you, you rent a, a, you rent a cottage somewhere in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You get yourself a bottle of bourbon. You bring all New of your- We're in New Orleans now? Okay. Yeah, sure. Great. You're going on a trip. I You bring wait. the box of case files and all your cigars mm-hmm. and you just do it over a weekend. Why are you going to torture this kid for nine fucking months? By August 17th, 2012, Sam's like, I did it. Everyone come back to court. Yeah. So Sam, thank God, does... <laughs> Sam, first name. Judge Sam. <laughs> does, That's not better. <laughs> I don't know. Your majesty, Sam. Sam. But Sam does the right thing, yeah, right? He so right he get Daniel gets a new trial. Daniel's sobbing. The family's sobbing. I'm sobbing. Yeah. We're all sobbing. But Keith is here to remind us. Whoa, 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 whoa. Daniel's temporary victory also needed the approval of the famously conservative Texas Court of Appeals. Doubtful at best. All Daniel could do was wait, still in jail, for one year, and then another, until the announcement came down, the court ruled in Daniel's favor. This judge says yes. Now it has to go through this court. They're probably going to say no. Girl, they say yes. But it takes them three years. I so know. it's 2014. The state rules in his favor. Like, holy shit. Daniel's released on bond, pending a new trial. Yeah. It's been 20 years. And then Keith again, like, Jillian, don't, I don't know why you're celebrating. This could all get taken away in a second. Right. <laughs> because this DA is out for blood, right? Right. And so, like, Daniel's, like, living a normal life during this time. He's released on bond and, like, but a new trial date hasn't been announced. He gets a job working for John. He's, like, living with his girlfriend. It's a year passes. They have a baby. And this trial is going to be his third, by the way. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What are we, Italy? Right. So. <laughs> what is this, Amanda? Not- what is this, Italy? But the thing is, like, he marries Amanda. They have kids. And think about, like, 
I know. Every morning he's like, is today, is it going to get ripped away today? Because the thing is, the state hasn't announced whether or not they're even going to retry him. So he's just living in this constant state of limbo. But they get this really big win when it's announced that if they retry him, Daniel's confession will not be admissible at trial. Because the courts just determine that it was clearly a coerced confession and it's all fucking bullshit. And like, this is huge. This is a really, really, really big deal. And they make the point that like, at this point, the DA probably won't retry him. Because why would, like, the confession is all they really have anyway. Now without that, they're probably not going to retry him. And they even the same lawyer who's like, we look the other way. That yeah. same lawyer says today. In retrospect, no, I don't think we should have used the, the confession and we definitely should have looked at the case a lot more critically. Because it wasn't backed up by the facts? Right. Too little, too late, buddy. <laughs> How dare you? I know, I know. Without, like, why aren't you sobbing? Like, you should be locked away. Like, I, I don't understand. So, th- like, this is all about this trash DA. Is he going to let it go? Of course not. No. Because October 2nd, 2018, Daniel's third trial starts. Welcome to Italy. Yeah. And so John, again, money bags. John, is willing to fund the defense as long as he needs to but, oh, this is excruciating. Uh, Daniel, right before the trial is going to start, Daniel is offered an Alfred plea. It's called an Alfred plea, in which Daniel would avoid going through another trial, would get credit for the 16 years he'd already served in prison, would not have to go back to prison. He wouldn't have to admit to murder, but he would have to admit that the state probably had enough evidence to convict him. And you will forevermore be like a, a convicted murderer. And Keith, this is where we, it's so great seeing Keith yeah. and not just hearing him because he's like, this deal. <laughs> It's called an Alfred plea. <laughs> and he's like chuckles to himself and like looks out in the distance. And I'm like, Keith. So then this is a big decision because he's out now. He has like a taste of freedom. And Daniel's like, all right, well, what am I? Like they, he goes back and forth about and it. And think about this decision because he's like, well, look, if I accept the Alfred plea, which is what he's leaning towards, he's like, I will have this on my record for the rest of my life and everything that comes with that, which I can only imagine is fucking awful. Yeah. Never be able to get a job. Like won't ever be able to vote. Like all of that stuff. And now that they, if I decide to reject that and go back to trial they can't use the confession so maybe I'll win but it's still a fucking jury trial so like who knows that's gotta be the most agonizing decision ever he had to make I know and he's like you know what no I wanna be cleared 100% I didn't do this like yeah. l- let's let's go let's I go to trial I don't think I would've done that I think I would've taken the offered plea I, I, know, I just, don't know cause it's like you're gonna gamble or you could just be free mm-hmm. yeah like what is it yeah uh, because John gave him a job so yeah. it's not like he would right? he would have to be like filling out application forms like, totally but it's re- just him like he just no he needed to be totally yeah. exonerated so October 2nd 2018 Daniel's third trial starts he's feeling good yeah and the DA Esparza that piece of shit yeah he once again stays out of the courtroom they say they let he let his assistants take the case and I'm like what a piece of shit I this know. guy is I know. if you want to get it done do it yourself you fucking prick like <laughs> oh, she's fired up oh like he like he wants to like nail this kid but like he he's not he just can't be in the courtroom yeah. like what an asshole I know, do you, I know. like if you want to do it then you do it I and why didn't he do it because it would look bad or whatever like maybe public opinion was on Daniel's side at this point I don't know but he sucks he sucks but now though his office yeah. because they don't have the confession and oh and Joe Spencer's here by the way lawyer Joe lawyer Joe he's, he's back he's, he's defending back. Daniel yeah, once yeah, again because yeah. he's very good at this Joe. and he and makes it personal lo- yeah he's gonna do a lot of yelling you guys I think everything should be personal totally. I make everything very personal <laughs> so but now because they don't have the confession there's no evidence they don't have anything the DA is now like coming for Angel John John the guy who's like funding this whole thing the one who's like behind the whole like movement to get him out of prison, yeah. you see actual courtroom testimony where, remember Jesse, the poor kid who's crying every five yes, seconds? Yes, who was there, who li- who survived this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They get him back on the stand and they're basically insinuating that John paid for his testimony. Did Mr. Mimbella fly you to Los Angeles in September of 2010 
where you sat ringside at a boxing match. Yes. And it cuts to John in the courtroom. He's not impressed. Not impressed with this strategy. And it doesn't go anywhere because no. it's bullshit. Yeah. But now, so remember, no confession, no evidence. They need to find a way to tie Daniel to the murders. So remember the cousin, cousin David? Yes. Who was like, I didn't do it, but maybe ask my cousin because he said that he did it. I don't think he did it, but he right. might know something yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get David on the stand and Keith is asking him, like, were you nervous? And he's like, I felt this strength this time. I'm a 42-year-old man who's accomplished now. I'm no longer a teenager who can be bullied. He's like, I'm a fucking adult now, and I'm not going to let them push me around. Because he's testifying for the prosecution, or is he? Right, right, Because right, Esparza's yeah. office calls Cousin David, and I'm yeah. like, David, I, what are you doing? <laughs> but no, because I don't know if they planned this. I don't know who was playing who. Yeah. But when Joe Spencer, Daniel's lawyer, cross-examines David, it all comes out. Right, of course. It all comes out. And I like, was thinking, why would they call David when they know that, like, it's just opening up, th- like, this amazing witness to be able to explain that Marquez did the same thing to him that he did to Jesse, that he did to Daniel, that he did to everybody. These cops are fucking monsters. Like, yeah. threaten them with rape. The whole, like, yeah. all of the stories are exactly the same. They did this to everybody. Yeah. Go back to all their right. cases. They are exactly the same. Totally. It, I mean, it like, word for word, yeah. exactly yeah. the same. Go back through all of his cases. I'm serious. So, anyway, time for the jury to deliberate, yeah. right? The jury deliberates. They're gone for, like, two and a half days. Everyone comes back in, and Daniel, we are seeing Daniel. Daniel is a fucking rat. It is so Tense. He is like sobbing and he's like, like the jury hasn't said a word yet. And it's got to be going through his mind. Like, I could have just taken the Alfred plea. Why did I do this? Why right did I do right this? there, Why you're like, can I go back? Can yeah, I go back? Can yeah, I take the yeah. Alfred But wait, hold on a second. Yeah. Now we're not going to, I mean, we're just 20 minutes left in this thing. I know. <laughs> we, and Keith's like, this bitch always declined my invitation until now. Oh my so God. So now the DA is here. DA Esparza. And it's a little bit out of order because Keith is like, now that it's all settled and done, but we still don't know the resolution. Right. Well, like Daniel is like, can't even stand up. He's like, yeah, what's going to happen yeah. to me. So they take a break to show this interview with Keith and D.A. Esparza. This back and forth is wild. So Keith's like, after what we know now, yeah. like, are you happy with what you did? And he's like, oh, absolutely. I believe Mr. Villegas is the murderer. And the reality is, is the evidence points directly to Mr. Villegas. The confession is really important in the case. Well, the confession was thrown out. Right. The confession was thrown out because it wasn't a real confession. No, that's not true. Well, that's what the court determined. The lawyer, he's defending himself. He's just, he's defending the cops. He doesn't care about the discrepancies. And Keith's like, hold, hold on a second. Yeah. Isn't it your job to say, wait a second, the facts don't match the confession. Maybe we shouldn't bring it to trial. Keith doesn't even finish the sentence before this asshole starts yeah. laughing at him. Isn't it your job to say, facts don't quite match that confession. We better not bring this to trial okay. until we look into it a little more carefully. Yeah, you clearly don't do what I do for a living. I have a lot of cases. I'm kind of, I, I, I'm a little shocked that you would make that decision. Well, well, okay, but you don't do what I do for a living. You clearly don't know what I do for a living. Keith's face. He's like, he needs to know that I, everyone else in the room I, also heard that. I think Keith wants to be like, you clearly don't know what, what I do, I for, do a for a living. For sure. And Keith, his eyes are all over the place. Yeah. And he's like, I'm shocked at yes. your decision making. Yes. Like, I can't believe you did this. And this asshole repeats. I know. Keith, you don't know what I do for a, you don't do what I do for a living. And Keith goes, is that supposed to make people happy? Because like, why what, are you saying that? What Esparza is saying is that, girl, the facts don't have to line up with the evidence. Like, right. you're such a naive idiot to think that that would matter to me. Yeah, he's like, I'm not trying to make anybody happy, Keith. This is about how hard life is for me. Yeah, this is yeah, about me, yeah, Keith. Yeah. And Keith today is like, reminder to everyone listening at home. Yeah. What you've just seen came after, after one of the most dramatic moments in a courtroom this reporter has ever seen. 
Oh my god! So now we're back in the courtroom, and we get we're about to get the verdict. I can't imagine being mm-hmm. an innocent defendant in this moment because the judge is like, "Jury, it's all, all in slow motion. Are, have you reached a and verdict?" It goes on for. Ever. And the judge gets handed the verdict, and then uh-huh. Daniel is standing. He can barely stand. They're holding him yep, up. Yep. He is hysterical. And the judge is like, on count X, Y, 9, 4, Just 7. Just say it. Oh, judge 29, Bravo, dash, Delta. Oh, my God. It goes I'm getting like, anxious all over again. I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> Patrick, girl, just say it. Just Daniel say it. is like shaking. He's like, whatever. And he's finally, you hear him say, Verdict form B. We, the jury, find the defendant, Daniel Villegas, not guilty of... <laughs> Daniel... He he faints. He collapses. He passes out. Yeah, it's like amazing to hear the courtroom yeah. just erupts. Erupt. I'm sobbing at my desk. And the judge at no point is like, there will be no out, outburst of emotion. Like the judge is just letting it all fucking happen. Right, because he says like, you're free to leave. Like yeah. he says nice things to Daniel. And yeah. Judge Sam is like, it is very gratifying and satisfying to me to be given the responsibility to see a case like this to its end. I'm honored to have this responsibility. This means the world totally. to me. Like, yeah. this is how you, like, oh, I don't know about this case. Let's have a fucking trial. Like, yeah. let's hear yeah. both yeah. sides totally. instead of being like, oh, well, the DA wants me to do it. Fuck your DA. Totally. <laughs> but let me, but here's we the thing. A, we need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Fuck your DA. DA. Unless you're not garbage, right. then you're great. Right. But so there's this moment that happens between Keith and Daniel's wife, Amanda. Yeah. And she was, she's explaining how, oh like, Amanda's, like, really doing the work in therapy. She's reading all the books. Yeah, yeah, I say yeah, yeah, that yeah. with love. Like, totally. this must be so hard for her. Totally. And earlier, on we didn't mention it but earlier on she says like she talks about that all these rocks were in her stream and like when she was visualizing all of the all of the hurdles and all of the roadblocks like she was just like they're just hurdles in my stream and I gotta like I gotta push them aside so that I can have like free flowing water and she goes into this whole thing and I was like they're really focusing a lot on this and here's why because Keith is like has tears in his eyes talking to Amanda about the moment that like now her husband gets to go home and they get to have a family yeah and he's emotional and he goes no boulder in your stream it was crushed, and we won, and I just started seeing images of our family. There's no boulder in your stream, and I oh. lost it. Like it's just like because he like listened to her and he heard yeah. all that, and like he has he's has cried. Like he loves Amanda. Yeah, and yeah, so do yeah, I. yeah, yeah. I'm like that's kind of how it ends. Like Daniel gets to go on and live his life now. And now John the Angel, he's all about getting innocent people out of prison. Yes. His life is totally. He's like construction, yes. construction. I'm getting innocent people out of prison. That must be a drug. Like I think about Rabia. Like they do that on their podcast all the time. All the time. I'm like, once you do that one time, that must be a, so addictive. Right. Because it's also like, oh, I can do this. Yeah, like, totally. So many people need me to do this. Yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah, it now. Totally. I'm doing it. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, John still wants to find the the right killer. Esparza says they're not even gonna look anymore. He's like, even if we wanted to, it's been so long, we wouldn't even know where to start. Come. On. I know. Come on. But we know who it is. It's the Flores brothers. Right, yeah. And then so, like, Daniel is free, and he's like... One of the best things I like to do in life is ride my Harley to the mountains up here. And then when that wind hits your face and you're going up the mountain, it's like, man, you're in heaven. Daniel, I love you. Yeah. It's so clear we have, like, nothing in common <laughs> with riding the Harley in the mountains. But, like, I hope you have... Again, like, I hope you have your favorite dinner every night. Yes. Amanda's a smoke show. Like, good for you. Yeah, these this great life but like the harley girl you can keep the harley girl we don't have much in common but i still like you oh my god 
God, we did. What's it called? It's called A Fatal Confession Keith Morrison Investigates. And if you want more Keith talk, oh my God, stay you tuned. Guys. As we said, we are going to be doing, starting October 21st, we're doing 10 bonus episodes on the regular feed every Thursday. So you get the regular Tuesday episode, and then every Thursday for 10 weeks, you're getting the Keith Morrison Dateline episode. It's going to start like right before Halloween. It's going to end right before Christmas. It's going to be the best. We're starting with Mommy Doomsday. Because yes, Dateline yes. did two Mommy Doomsdays. We did them both. Because yeah, 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 you yeah. can't have one without the other, because that story's bonkers. <laughs> so Thursday, October 21st, Mommy Doomsday, the first episode Dateline did, because they've done like 30 on that. On you her. can also join us on the Patreon. It's You can get all the Jelena Me you want. It's where we cover all the long-form series. So Gacy, Serial, The Jinx, Lorena, um, Making a Murderer. Yeah, The Vow, Heaven's Gate, um, Sophie, A Murderer in West Court. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll Be on the Dark. All that, all that stuff. It's all over there in the Patreon. So you guys, next week is our 200th episode. Do you want to tell them what we're doing? Yeah, we're we're going to, I guess, have like a recap of, yeah. of this amazing journey we've been on. And yes. we are going to bring each other clips and yes. play moments that stand out to us in yep. all of these 200 episodes. I don't know what you're picking. You don't know what I'm picking. And we're just going to I don't like talk about it and be in love and cry a lot. Yeah, probably. it might be like a five-hour episode. We know. have no idea. We haven't recorded it yet. Uh, I can't wait to record that. I've got some clips in my head already. Yeah, so it's going to be like a little bit of a celebration, but almost maybe, I don't know, it feels weird to say that, but like a best of. Because yeah. we're going to be playing clips from other episodes. And yeah. so it's still going to be like a recap true crimey thing, but we're going to be in our feelings a lot. We're going to be drinking champagne. I'm bringing champagne. Oh, really? Yeah. Fun. We're going to do champagne and we're going to do it in the booth. Steve be damned. Oh, yeah. Well, let's do the Patreon recording that we're doing that week first. Yes, so that we can have a little bit of fun later. Right? So you guys, no homework. There's no no trailer for you to listen to. Just stay tuned for the amazing and hilarious outtakes. Yeah, watch your favorite true crime doc or like re-listen. I don't know. Yeah. Watch, watch like the 7-5 or something. I'm sure we'll be talking about that one next week. All right. We love you guys. We love you. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Do you remember that moment? Did you feel guilty? Did you think it was because of you? Keith! Are you filled with regret? I know. Are you anxious? Do you have a pit in your stomach right now? It didn't go down the way the confession said it did. And I'm like, Keith. It would have been impossible for him to have been there. Yeah, his friends Popeye and Droopy. And like, I, this is shocking to me because I didn't even think they existed. I yeah, thought the names were. So I thought the big reveal was going to be like, and Droopy. Like, what a ridiculous thing. Those two people are real. How do you earn a nickname like Dirt? By being a murderer. <laughs> Hi, I'm Keith Morrison. I'm going to be playing the role of someone who's new here and doesn't know anything about false confessions. So I'm going to say things like, yeah. well, why'd you say it if right. you didn't do it? So then you, he's like even doing a voice. Like when he asked yeah, Daniel, yeah, yeah. he's like, yeah, but like, why'd you say it, Daniel, if you didn't do it? It's going to sound like this. It sounds crazy in real life, but I promise it's great for TV. Because I also need Jillian and Patrick to know that I know, <laughs> yeah. that you know, that we all know, you know? We're all working together on this one, Keith. <laughs>